Welcome to Saga Craft. Myths, fairy tales, legends, stories comfort us, inspire us, and heal us. Please join us as we share stories, both old and new. More than anything, we are open to the story and its unfolding. At times, it may be one story told by one person. At times, it's the same story told through three different voices. In the end, we go where the story takes us, and we invite you to follow. I'm C, a writer, artist, and storyteller. I'm Betsy, a medium and teacher of mystery traditions. I'm Gabriella, an artist and practitioner of folk magic. We, we are, are magical, magical fairy godmothers, godmothers in, in training. training. Today, we are talking about our namesake, Saga. This is a story that Saga gave me about herself while I was standing in a clearing in the presence of very large trees. Everywhere you look, there is a story. It can be a story brought by the North Wind. Stories from the North come from the land of the dead and the ancestors. It can be a story of trees, a story of the winds, or a story of those who carry the winds, the great spirits themselves. These stories are mysterious, friendly, improbable, and even impossible. Somewhere, every story is true. Start with stories of trees, how they support each other with their roots, sharing nutrients and what they have, trying to keep each other alive and thriving. Trees are amazing examples of currents of power, power and energies that rise up and draw downward. These currents of power are everywhere in this world and in all the worlds. In the cold worlds, it's the power of ice and frost. In the hot worlds, it's the power of fire and heat. In those worlds, if there is something that can burn, it will burn. So in these worlds, powers are emotions. In the world of the Vanir, it is the pulse the heartbeat and life force of the mother and the thrusting, thriving energy of the father that creates transformation and fosters life. It is the magic of the earth and of the green. The worlds won't thrive without the Desir, who are the mothers of continuing life. We serve in all the worlds. Before us were the Vetir, the Earth Mothers. Holding all of these worlds is the great tree, Yggdrasil. This tree still stands because of the Norns, the shapers of destiny, who water the roots from the well of origin and apply the glowing white silt that strengthens the tree of life. The dragon buried in the earth below the tree chews the tree roots. This dragon, Nidok, blindly follows its instincts in the dark, as we would if we never opened our eyes to see what the possibilities are. He is the powerful father of the dragon sickness, which is greed. 
The Deesir, the Nornir, the Eddas, and grandmothers know that this blind greed is the dragon's story. He who is below Yggdrasil will never open his eyes to see new possibilities. In other worlds, dragons have other possibilities. The possibilities of transforming desire into higher qualities. In other worlds, trees have other stories. They can be life givers and life takers. They require respect, which they are not always given. They perpetuate life. Odin is like that. Odin is like a great tree, a walking tree, a wandering tree. Odin can shelter. Odin can give life. Odin can lengthen life and he can take life. Odin is the father tree. He found the lifeless trees on the shore and saw in them humans who had nothing, who had no life, no breath, no dreams, no context. His intervention brought them out of nowhere and into somewhere. He gave then as trees can now give so much to us. Axe handles for the axe, staffs for walking or walking between worlds, spears that allow us to hunt man or beast, walls and roof to support life with shelter, furniture to provide comfort for the body and coffins to hold the body when that time is right and necessary, fuel for the fire. Remember, wood without life is fuel for the fire. If you don't become infused with life, you are fuel for the fire. My name is Saga. I'm one of the Desir, before that, a land vetir, and now a friend of Odin. At night, I sit with Odin at Sokvabek by the streaming waterfall. He tells a story. I tell a story. We create a story together. We drink mead and infuse life in stories. We perpetuate life in this way, in all the worlds. Some nights, this is so joyful. Our evening conversations might go like this. Odin. What are you in need of tonight? The need of poetry, of ecstasy, water from the well of origin or remembrance? Some nights he knows exactly what he wants. Some nights I must coax him because he is so unsettled. It is bound up in his own nature. He's the tree holding up the world. At heart, He's a wanderer, a walker of the worlds. He can travel with his spirit, but not with his body because he is bound. He holds up the lives of all the worlds. Saga, I feel tonight that Nidok, the dragon, has almost chewed through the roots of the tree. He has almost freed me. Does he drink from the wells that are down there with him? 
does he remember the other worlds that he will never see? What will he be doing at Ragnarok? Does he break free? Does he free me? Does he not drink? Must I wait until the world's end to walk free? Odin, what story shall we speak of tonight? Shall it be of dwarves, of elves, of giants, of your ravens? Or of the Norns saga who shaped the world as much as I did, who laid upon me a desire to be free? We can tell stories of the world shapers. Or, Odin, we could tell a story of a competition of poets, Norse, Icelander, Dane, or Sphere. What shall their poetic specialty be? Mythic, heroic, spiritual? All right, Saga. Norse and Icelander, a poetic competition about a great voyage. The story must begin with the trees. In order for there to be a great voyage, there must be ships. In order for there to be ships, the trees must be chosen and asked, are you willing to become a wanderer? If they are, then those planks will be alive with purpose and with the life force of the tree. Those that say no may still be taken and they become the planks of death. Trees that say yes are born again into a new life. This will shape the voyages. We tell stories of desire, of loss, of heartbreak, of discovery, of heroism. What we don't talk about is creating new worlds, for these worlds bind. After the binding is the long, long wait for the unraveler. That is what we do each night. We wait and we tell stories. Our stories shape the worlds. World shaping and making is binding. It binds the maker to the world. Saga, what have I done? My freedom. Yes, Odin, and you shall have it, but not yet. Not tonight. Tonight is another story. What shall it be? A secret is that every world has an avatar of Odin. It's the only way he can survive being a creator of the worlds. But that is another story. The end. Thank you, Betsy. That was absolutely beautiful. My story is not only about Saga, but it's about you and me and all of us. You would think this story is about me, Saga, but it's more about you and always will be about you and her and so many others. 
It's about our stories and dreams together and how they intercept and flow further down the stream to branch out, to make more dreams and stories. For you are the fire, you are the storm, you are the dream that is waited to be born. Where do you want to go next, my dear Saga? The Allfather asks playfully. Though here, he is not the Allfather, but Odin, the enjoyer of a fine mead and an even finer story which I just finished sharing with him. Is it that time again? I laugh, fully aware that it is always time for a new chapter and what part I might play in it. He knows my fondness for mead and spirits as he gazes into the well in search of my new destination. I can feel the water stir and swirl, pulling me under their influence as my own desires rise to the surface and flow together with the waves as petition for something becoming clear. I don't just want to work at a bar this time. I want to own one. I request as I search my own earnings and part I am to play in this next story, induced by the swishing sounds of the water. Oh. That's a new and interesting ask, and why is that? Odin inquires. So I can have more control over the drink menu, of course, I reply, knowing somehow that is not the only reason. Odin lifts an eyebrow. It will be harder to find, but surely something must be available, as long as you are not too picky about the name. I chuckle. He is right, though. Some names simply will not do. He gazes deeper into the moving waters, his eye beginning to focus in on something intently. I hear a deep wave in the water and my heart quickens. He has found it. Ah, the misty inn, an inn and a bar. It's on a rainy side of the northern part of the Appalachian Mountains, small town. The bar owner is retiring and has wanted to sell for some time. Lots of rain, middle of nowhere. I close my eyes as the place he describes begins to drift into my vision and I can get a sense of it more clearly. It's perfect. And since it's in the middle of nowhere, I will not go without a horse. Odin winks, as you wish, my lady. The clouds begin to shift and swirl and just like that, my journey down begins. My horse is a loud golden colored motorcycle. Fast and fierce, as good as any horse I've ever had the pleasure of riding. Odin wasn't kidding about the rain. The night of my arrival was as wet as the bottom of the sea and windy too. I, of course, didn't mind as it made for a more dramatic entrance worthy of my rank. My thick cloak, like a cloud itself, shielding my now human body from the cold and rain. I was the only overnight guest at the Misty's Inn that night. I slept hard and deep in a soft bed as the rain danced across my window quieting steadily as I drifted into dreams that told me what I needed to know about the town, the inn, and the land itself. In the morning, I met Misty, the owner of the bar. She was a hard but not unkind woman who looked me straight in the eye. Why would you want to buy a bar here? Pretty young thing like you. Ha! If only she knew how old I was. You would do much better somewhere in a bigger city. More customers, better looking customers, and even better tips, she went on and on, almost trying to talk me out of it, testing my intentions. I am looking to start a new chapter, and I don't want lots of customers or tips. I just want something to call my own for now, and I don't mind the rain, I told her. And most of those things were true. 
She looked at me steadily, her wrinkled face looking into mine, reading my features. I will do right by you, trust me. I let her hear my thoughts as I gazed back. She didn't ask any more questions and her mind was made up. She is yours then. Be good to her as she has been to me, she said, and sold me the place. The patrons of Misty's Inn were drifters mostly, people traveling between one town to another. Their stories mingled together like the lines of old wild roads that ran between the mountain ranges. Some of them were running from something or someone, others by some coincidence stopping by, tired of traveling through the bad weather, needing to rest. I listened to their stories intently if they shared them. And there were the regulars, too, those who lived in town, comforted by the familiar setting of Misty's Inn, old wooden bar and soft lighting, caught between longing for a future that is not likely to come and the past that holds a much brighter hue the longer it's behind them. Their tales, as strong as their favorite drinks, which I craft with as much care and attentiveness that I give to their stories, no matter how many times I hear them. Amused by the embellishments and colors added to them with each turn, but then I have something to do with that. Their stories light up differently when they share them with me. I wonder sometimes what they must think about me if they look deeper. My red hair woven into a long braid, my strange pale blue eyes, or my voice with an accent they can never place, but then they don't really ask. They feel comfortable at my table. They enjoy the company and the mead, which is the best of its kind, of course. Sometimes they do inquire as they cherish the taste of it on their tongue, as if trying to recall a long-forgotten dream so familiar. What's the name of the bar you came from again? And where you brought the mead from? I smile slowly, knowing that they will not be able to pronounce or remember. So, Quebecer. Ah, that's right. The soggy beard. It's the best meat I've ever had. The soggy beard must have been a fine place, they repeat, and I don't correct them. Soggy beard it is. The Misty Inn is not the fanciest of places, but I cherish these people and their stories as much as any. Days and months go by. I've grown comfortable and used to this place, blending more and more with my surroundings as if I was always part of them. And that is when her story begins. I wish I could say there was something special about that day or that I knew she would be arriving, but the truth is, it was not the best of days, for many reasons, some of them less mundane than others. For one, it rained, which wasn't unusual for this part of the mountain, for it was often raining, misty, or so overcast that you could pretty much grab the low swooping clouds. But this rain was relentless with purpose, causing a lot more people to stop in and stay the night. The bar was unusually packed that evening. Earlier in the week, the cook moved out of town and I was left with only the barback to help with all the work. That morning, the barback quit, out of nowhere and happy with the extra shifts he had to manage by my side. The front kitchen sink overflowed again, and shorthanded, I had no time to attempt to repair it. Thankfully, there was another sink on the other side of the building, which I could only get to by leaving the bar. It was a hassle, but better than not having a sink at all. 
Just as I was walking towards the front door with a tub of dirty glasses, the door swung open and caught by the wind knocked me off balance, enough to send the tub of dirty mugs and glasses flying across the floor. Swearing under my breath, I bent down to grab some of the more obvious broken pieces away from the clumsy feet of my intoxicated patrons when my hand was met by another, small but strong hand that intercepted my move. Wait, watch out, you'll cut yourself. Where do you keep the broom? I looked up to meet the gaze of my cautious new friend, same one who had swung the door open that caught me off balance. Green eyes, small features, dark hair dripping with rain. It's on the other side of the bar, I replied, and watched her skip and glide gracefully and quickly through the crowded space. She was back in a flash and proceeded to clean up the glass and spills off the floor. You are very good at cleaning up messes, I noticed. Good at making them too, what my grandma always said, she replied. I liked her right away, just like that. She caught me off guard, which meant I was able to really notice her, see her, before she told me anything about herself. It was a refreshing way to meet someone. You're looking for a barback? She pointed to the sign in the window, trying to hide the desperation in her voice. And you're looking for a job, I responded. Not exactly a question. I knew she needed a job, and not just any job, but this one. The one I posted about earlier in the window. You're hired if you can start tonight. What's your name? She told me her name was Finley, but I know that's not the name she had before. I know it because of how new the name sounded to her as she said it out loud and how it lit up her eyes, how she was able to reclaim herself with it. I didn't mind at all, and the name suited her, and she was the best barback I've ever hired. She was strong, hardworking, never complained about the job or the sometimes cranky customers, and always ready to listen. Unlike many other humans I have known, she didn't really say much about her life or herself, and certainly not her past, so I didn't pry. I just watched. I knew she held so much more under the surface that wasn't yet meant to be revealed, even to me. She had a soft spot for young women and kids who were looking for a place to stay for the night and might be short on payment. She would petition to let them stay and would offer her own pay towards their room fee. I never took her money, and I let the women stay for free. It didn't happen often, but enough to let me see that she had a kind heart and a willingness to share what little she had with others. This softened me to her more than to any other humans I've ever worked with in the past, and she became very dear to me. One night, I asked her what her plans were for the future. Surely she didn't want to work at Misty's Inn most of her youth. There must be other places she'd wish to explore, other cities, places, people. Surely she longed for a new adventure, but surprisingly she didn't. Being here has been the best part of my life. I've never felt safer and happier anywhere else, she said as she reached for my hand and continued. I always knew that one day my life would change, that one day something exceptional would happen and I could be the person I really longed for, and nobody would hold me back. Thank you, Saga for freeing me from the past and giving me the present and the future. I know now that you are that something exceptional and I owe you so much. You never asked anything of me, but trusted me more than anybody else did. And that saved my life. 
I wish to be like you someday, able to help others like you helped me, and I wish to stay here for as long as I can. Sweet child, what happened to you? I asked, moved by her sudden openness and honesty, and by her trust that I could hold her story, which after all this time she was ready to share. She told me about her family, her mother and grandmother, and those that came before them. She told me of their struggles, their sorrows, the hidden secrets and shame that darkened their family name and memory. The details blur, the people blur, but she, Finley, remains a light in that tale, a light that longed to break out of a pattern and abandon all that she knew to forge a new path for herself, a new destiny that was already waiting for her. And I know now there are sadly many stories like hers of sorrow and heartbreak and Ross. But in this moment, only her story mattered, for it intercepted with mine, and she was the reason the well stirred and parted to reveal my next destination at the Misty's Inn. That night, I dreamt of Odin's well. I could feel the waves stirring above and whirling winds whistling at my window. The whispers of the Norns have began as my story fully connected with Finley's. I saw Finley's deepest longing and dreams woven by Verdandi, setting all into place, making the necessary adjustments. I saw my part in the story and my inevitable departure as everything was clear now. I knew I didn't have to leave right away, but my time was soon approaching. In the morning, I made the necessary arrangements, not knowing how much more time I had at the Misty's Inn, so I wanted to make sure everything was in place. I will be going away for a while, I said. Where? How long will you be gone? Finley looked surprised, as I've never left for more than an evening of riding on a windy day. To see an old friend. It's long overdue, I told her. Will you be able to keep things going without me? Of course, I'd be happy to, but don't stay away too long or I will miss you. I will not be far, I promise. This was partly true. But before I go, I will show you where the meat is. Her eyes lit up. This was the first time I shared with her the location of the barrels that held our most intoxicating drink, brought a long ways away from the soggy beard. The next morning, Finley would find a letter Keys and documents transferring Misty's Inn to her ownership fully, along with a decent amount of money in the safe and, of course, an endless supply of mead. I wish I could have stayed to watch her reaction, to hold her and tell her all the things her mother could not have told her and didn't. But this is not how we did things. By the time Finley found her gift, I was long gone. I had been summoned by a great storm above that swirled my cloak with wind and clouds before I was whisked back home. I didn't mind if anybody saw me that time, as I was not coming back. Finley dreamt of me often, but only once I was able to meet with her in that realm, for it was most important for her to tell me that she decided to rename the mead so lovingly called for years the Soggy Beard, and it was now called Saga's Dream. The end. That's beautiful, Gabriella. Thank you. Thank you. And now, see. Okay. Once upon a time in the other world, I could be heard. 
from a million miles through the lushest trees, through the deepest oceans, through the highest mountains. My voice reverberates as it creates. I told the tale of life. I sung it, I spoke it, I spun it. Then I watched. I watched and waited, and my witnessing concretized the tales I told. There was a world anew. I spun it out of elements, fire and ice and story. I tended it through the same. When it grew cold with stagnancy, I heated it up with the fire of passion. And when it grew hot with violence, I cooled it with the gentle waters of compassion. Because life only survives in the middle temperatures. I told stories of fish first walking from the seas, then leaping into the skies. And some grew legs, while others grew wings. Some chose to look entirely down, and others only up. I told stories of transformation. I told stories of releasing what was no longer working and nurturing what helps life thrive. I told stories of evolution. I told stories of love and loss and how one cannot happen without the other. Stories of courage and fear and how courage first embraces, then conquers discomfort, and how fear first courts, then becomes death. I spun this world a yarn of paradox. Then I wove it into a tapestry of story that will one day be cut from this loom. I was bored, you see. I was bored with my home and its walls. I wanted something that would break through them, that would co-create possibility. I was bored with my eternal spinning. I needed to spin something new. Words. Worlds. I used my voice to call lightning, to meld ice into fire, and to forge a new cosmos. I grant that power to you. What tale will you tell with your life? Will it be one of fear, where you cower in the shadows, afraid of the characters you have written with your imagination and cast on your personal stage, forgetting that they are under your direction? Or will it be one of courage, where you will be frightened and uncomfortable until you learn that peace and victory are in your own center? Will it be one of compliance, where you do what is asked of you and think that makes you right? Will it be one of creativity, where you test the bounds of the possible and in doing so, expand them? Will it be one of vice, where you steal a life and defend it to the end, or one of virtue, where you bow to your own ignorance and mistakes, but need no defense? Will you whisper in the shadows or sing from the hills? Will you love with abandon, with caution, or not at all? How will you feel when you pay the price for that love, or the lack of it? For all love has a price, life has a price, and love and life are really the same. I paid a steep price for this story. I watched silently, sweeping up the shards of the broken, holding them in my bleeding hands. I bear witness to my own creation. 
Every heart that breaks is my own, as is every heart that soars. Every abandoned dream is my own, as is every dream realized. Every cry of rage on a beautiful, bright day echoes in my body, as does every cry of joy bursting forth from the dark, dismal night. I, too, have grown. My courage has paid off with you, in you. My courage has expanded my dreams and my nightmares. It has broken my heart and colored my soul. It has seen me sobbing in the night, then bursting forth with the dawn. It has cost me peaceful moments and productive years. It has opened me to grief and bliss. You are worth it. The end. <laughs> wow. I really will need a minute for both of these stories. They're quite moving. Very, very moving. Thank you both. Thank you. Yeah. I loved all of Saga's voices. Me too. Me too. I think it's funny that we all chose to be her. Yeah. I loved how, how the stories all interlaced and interwove. And intercepted. Yeah. I love that there were words that were in all the stories, that the weather was present in all the stories. I know there are other elements as well that are present that I can't think of. Truly, I'm still so, so enchanted by Saga and her different branches and the different ways that she's holding us and, and the world really, it seems clear that she's holding not just us, but the world with us in it. It's very powerful. I love your bringing her into contemporary time also. And having been a bartender, I know what it's like to hear people's stories again and again. And I admired that place as a venue for her. Mm. She really wanted to be there. <laughs> she wanted to be there because it's about the experience without which there cannot be a tale, there cannot be a story. And you cannot really know somebody unless you know their story. Not really. And what I also loved about it was her, the observation that came through your story of how a story can be told, but the person who's listening helps change the story mm -hmm. and enliven it and bring something entirely different to it as well. So see, your story is really with me. Both your stories are with me, Betsy and C. But I'm, I'm wondering, see, what it was like for you to be this, this saga? Because it felt like there was really a lot of emotion in the telling of this. And rightfully so. What was it like for you spending the week with her? Um, it was lovely. I actually... This was the first time I tried to just tell a story spinning. And so I actually did it spinning first and just talking. And uh, that was much slower. But I actually really liked the soundtrack because it has the spinning wheel in it. You know what I mean? You can hear the spinning wheel going around. And so I enjoyed that a lot. But it was very different. And I really liked being able to do it that way. 
it was lovely to see the world through her eyes in that way. I appreciated it. I loved how your story really fleshed out the experiences of Saga and, and what she creates and what she contributes also. And I liked in the whole triangle of stories too, the way we have portrayed different versions of her or different aspects or incarnations of her. But I, I loved her passion that you shared with us in your story, C. Thank you. I I was just thinking about what the triangulation of the story says about her. And I really liked the spirit of intervention. I feel like in every one of them, she was sort of the quiet intervention in the background who was helping people through a challenging bit. And I appreciated that a lot about both her and both of your stories. She certainly felt, uh, especially in Betsy's stories, as somebody who could hold a deep understanding of a situation, and even though was not acting as an agent of change in it by action alone, but rather observing that angle and observing Odin's dilemma, inevitable dilemma and sorrow, holding that sorrow with him gave him an aspect of freedom that he is not really allowed at certain times. Like she was offering a lens and an escape into another dimension by sitting with him and sharing with him. Mm -hmm. And what the listeners might not be aware of is that in the Norse lore, this was an evening kind of a conversation that she would have with Odin on a regular basis. And that view of him, of his own inner turmoil or um, his unsettledness, I think is what she said. It was an interesting view of Odin. I hadn't seen him in this particular way before. Perhaps because it was through her perspective that's uncensored. Mm. She is telling the story from her own perspective, where some of the regular rules and laws may not apply for how he is portrayed. Right. Yeah. She's the space holder powerful space holder and life changer i love the way she helped to hold and change the life of finley yeah mm-hmm. yeah i do too i loved that story and i love i do also love that setting for her i think that's sort of where she belongs <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yes i agree and i feel like in many ways she is always there mm-hmm. that there is something about that kind of an establishment that people gather in and with the spirits and with the community that gives them a sense of home and a sense of self and a sense of belonging to the world and dreaming of a world that even if they may never experience, they get to participate in somehow. And I do feel like there is something especially potent about a bar or an inn or a tavern that is in the middle of nowhere where so many different paths connect Mm -hmm. it is like the drifters in it's like where travelers come and people are either running away from from their old selves or running and running into their new selves it's a place to reclaim it's a place to rediscover and rename oneself under a safe setting so i love just that idea and i feel like More than anything, Saga in this story holds that 
but also is the initiator of other people's gifts that may hold it in the same way. So she can bless them with that and offer that to leave behind because she's not a permanent fixture in many of those realms. Mm-hmm. There are so many lonely people out there too who have stories to tell and stories to share. And I like to think that she in some way kind of manifests through the listeners <laughs> to, to really not just be patient as a listener, but to be involved as a listener, able to, as see so beautifully shared in her story, so many ways that Saga can be present with all the different storylines that are going on in life. That was quite beautiful. Mm -hmm. I'm particularly happy that we had a chance to do this story or we chose to do this story because she is our patron deity <laughs> for, for this, um, for our other stories that we offer. And so for me, it was really a pleasure to spend the week with her. And as you were saying, Gabriella, just that feeling of the weather in all of the stories and the, the remembrance of things past, but also the ability to be in the present. I think that's powerful. Sometimes people are so stuck in only the past or parts of the past, but to hold that greater context of all of it, I think is a powerful sharing that I was given by Saga in this week. How about you, C? What did you find? I loved her compassion because it was such a, in my mind, it was just such a hardcore compassion. It's like compassion with, out judgment on anyone ever just compassion for all which i think is what true compassion is and uh, i enjoyed it a lot yeah mm-hmm. i thought it was beautiful and i love the idea of her supporting odin and i particularly loved the idea of her getting his drinks or helping him choose drinks more mm-hmm. to the point yeah i thought that was lovely um, <laughs> And the idea of drinking from the wells differently. Mm-hmm. Also very beautiful to me. And the whole tavern, of course, is ideal. Yeah, I absolutely <laughs> loved her at the tavern. And yeah, I have to say, there was a moment where I thought, ooh, maybe it's not Saga. Maybe the other person is Saga. And that was very interesting for me. And I really enjoyed my moment of tension around it. Well, and I really don't know. It could be because that's that's not clear. Her gifts and her connection to people when she does really come in contact with them and they see her as the game changer, an aspect of herself may remain. Mm-hmm. And you, you know, she even leaves with that when she says, I will not be far. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah. And I do think that once her paths intercept with something great, do we ever leave? Do we ever leave that behind if we're forever changed by it? Mm -hmm. So someone forever changed by her. Yeah. I like the idea of her, just them, the two of them working side by side until finally it was time for Finley to tell her story. Yeah. And there's so much more in it too, but I, you know, we're, we're working with a certain time of to getting all this in here. And I do feel like our stories are getting beautifully longer and longer, but you know, when we tell one story, I feel like 
whoever's listening may really fall into place and align with the truth of that and the ups and downs of whoever the heroine is of that tale. And if they're in any way aligned, that is also their story. And that's really how it felt for me. It's just in that moment, those two beings came together. Mm -hmm. So it was through their eyes that it came to light. Well, I think what I'll be taking into the week ahead is I'll be going to this soggy beard to have a drink. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yes. (laughs) And see what stories get teased out of me while I'm there. And also to look around and see what the other stories are that are going on. So thank you for that. Mm, Thank you. Yeah, I think I will be looking around at different ways that I can invite other stories so that I can be a witness to other stories in the world. And I think I really want to be awake in the stories that I tell myself and tell other people, look at ways in which I retell stories that really are probably not as they appear and reclaim myself in them by being able to see all the aspects, the ups and the downs. And like, see, you're saying being able to bow to those. I think it's very important, especially at this time for all of us to bow to the parts of ourselves that we may feel shame around, or we may not like so much or wish it was different. And yet that's the part that's us that can really get us through to the other side. So I love that. So I think I'll be doing some some honoring of all the parts of the self <laughs> and also thinking about the trees and being fuel for the fire if I'm not on fire within, as Betsy so beautifully shared with us. That really strikes me, any word again. So I'll be looking at that as well. If I am not fueled by my own desires, whose desires am I fueling? Mm -hmm. So thank you both so, so much. Thank you. Thank you. And thanks, Saga. Thank you, Saga. Hail, Saga. And special thanks to the fantastic Zoe Magic for her phenomenal editing skills.